Good evening. I can't see you. I, th I think that's quite a nice thing, actually, that I can't see you all out there. There we go. Nice to see you guys. Um, we're going to open up. We're going to watch a little video, because everybody loves videos. Could you take off a first video, please? One of my favourites, from one of my favourite films. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? We will run! And we will live! Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here? and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Does that not make you want to paint your face blue, jump on a horse, and just run around and scream freedom? No. <laughs> Cheers. So, if you haven't guessed, tonight we are going to be looking at freedom, and we're going to be looking what comes of freedom. We're going to be looking at fruit. So, we're going to be looking at the passage that Sophie read for us. Uh, quite a long passage, uh, 26 verses in total. The chapter that is Galatians 5. There's another story that I want to tell you, another story of freedom. Obviously, William Wallace's freedom was kind of freedom for a while. Um, but this next story uh, comes from America on an important day that is the 6th of December, 1865. Any historians tell me what happened on the, 8th, the 6th of December, 1865? Freedom? No one? Okay. So it was a cold winter's day in Washington when a certain amendment was signed. And it was a massive day for the four million slaves that lived in America. Why? Because the 13th Amendment was signed. And the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution abolished slavery. On the 6th of December, 1865, slavery was no more. So as of that day, four million people that were slaves, all of a sudden, legally, they were free. So soldiers went around all the different plantations, went around all the different farms, and they said to people, they said to the slave owners, release your slaves, because now, now they are free. A story of freedom. Like William Wallace, we had a story of freedom. 
But in this passage, we see possibly the greatest story of freedom that we ever see. But just to give us a bit of background to this passage, why it's important, why it's written, I think something we need to understand. So there's a group of people that Paul is speaking against in this passage here. And there are a group of guys called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers were Jewish Christians that thought it was really, really important that the law was still kept. So they were like half in the Christian camp, half in the Jewish camp. And do you know what? That was not right. Because they had to hold on to some of the rules. And they were starting to talk to some of the churches, like the church at Galatia that this letter is written to. And they started to say, guys, you need these laws. You need to be circumcised. You need to obey all the different laws. All of these sort of things you have to do to be accepted by God. But obviously Paul, Paul that wrote this letter, was having none of it. Because Paul said it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All you need is Jesus. So these guys would run after Paul. And everywhere he went, they would just shout things and they would just say things. And they would start feeding ideas into places. They would follow Paul in different churches and say, hmm, do you know what? That's not quite right. And people were starting to be influenced by these guys. We're starting to be influenced by a false gospel. By the idea that Jesus isn't enough. This crazy, crazy idea that the grace of Jesus, the grace of God was all that mattered. These guys, it just blew their minds and they couldn't accept it. So these guys would say things like, if we abandon the really high standards that we have with the law, our churches are just going to fall apart. And they would believe things like, if I just obey these few rules, then I'll be a more spiritual person. If I obey a few rules, I'll be better than Andrew. Or they would say... They would believe that they have the strength in themselves to get better. That they would have the strength in themselves to be better people. But the problem was, is that this is arrogant and it was wrong. I don't know about you, but that's the worst kind of combination to find in somebody. Somebody that is arrogant and somebody that is wrong. They always think they know best. They are looking down on you, but actually the whole way through, they're wrong. So from that, this letter... Paul is writing to these guys to warn the church in Galatia about the effects of what these guys are saying. They were niggling away and some people were starting to believe them. But Paul sets it straight. In this passage, Paul says, forget all of that. Don't believe all of that. And he says, this is what you should believe. And by the end of it, he goes, not only should you believe this, you shouldn't do this. He gives us that big list near the end. Then at the very end, he says, this is what you should do. This is what you should grow in. And he gives them the fruit of the Spirit. So if we go to our first bit, we're going to look at three verses, kind of one at the beginning, one in the middle, and one at the end of this passage. That's our first verse. By the way, I think this is quite a nice PowerPoint. I don't know about you, but normally I stand here on my computer and it doesn't work very well, but I think this is quite pretty. Verse 1 says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So this letter was written to a group of people that were a bit scared. That were a bit scared of the amazing message that Jesus Christ 
Faith in Jesus Christ alone can save you. So Paul just opens up by saying, for freedom, Jesus has set us free, so stand firm. Don't let go of it, stand on it. And he says, guys, it's all about Jesus. And this is a really important message for us as well. You know, we have freedom. We have a lot of freedom. And we know that true freedom from sin that only comes in Jesus is incredible. And he, Paul is telling these guys, Paul is telling us not to live in sin, but to live in the freedom that Jesus has given us. We're allowed to wear what we want. We're allowed to do what we want. And we're allowed to eat what we want. Thank goodness we can eat bacon. Don't know about you, but that's awesome. I love bacon. You know, in the Torah, which is the Jewish book, the first five books of the Bible, there's 613 commandments. 613 rules that you have to get right. Don't know about you, but if I had to obey 613 rules, I don't think I'd get past the first five. That was a lot of rules. And what Paul says to these guys, says to these guys that are getting distracted away from the stuff, distracted away from the fact that Jesus saves, is Paul saying, guys, please, please, please don't go back. He says, don't do what those guys are telling you. Why? Because they're wrong. He says, you're free. And if you love Jesus, you are free from everything that is wrong. He says, don't go back to your sinful ways and you know what guys that's really really difficult why because people will tempt us sin will tempt us yes sometimes we really want to do something that we know is wrong but what Paul's saying is Paul's saying don't do it we'll come to later to how Paul tells us not to do it but he says be strong be strong because Jesus has set you free there's another word that's a bit funky. And that is the word yolk. Paul is not talking about eggs. A yolk, the next picture please. This is a yolk. The yolk is this great big bit of wood that they put on two animals. So it slows them down and it keeps them working. It brings them together. And basically what Paul's doing is he compares this massive bit of wood to slavery. Why? Because they put on this wood and they just go really, really slowly. And they're basically slaves in this thing. This is where I think it would be good to have a real demonstration of what a cow and a yolk looks like. Michael, could you come up for me, please? I have this bag down here that's a good, like, 25 kilos. It's full of a set of dumbbells that I clearly use all the time. And what I'd like Michael to do... Right, Michael's going to put this on his back for me. And he's going to do a couple of things for me. There we go. You got it. Please don't fall backwards. Okay, can you walk over there and walk back again? Good job. Come back. I won't ask you to do any star jumps. Can you jump up and down twice for me? <laughs> Very impressive. Dog over there and back again. 
Love it. And can you tell me, how was that? Quite difficult. <laughs> Quite difficult. Thank you very much. Give me a second now how we take this burger. There we go. Magic, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Mike. You did really well with that. Okay. So, it's really, really difficult if you've got this massive bag on your shoulders to try and do things. And this is where our game from earlier ties in. It's really, really, really difficult to shake somebody's hands if your hands are tied together behind your back. Or if your feet are tied together, how are you going to walk over there? You can't. If there was nothing in this bag, I'm not going to get Michael to walk with nothing in the bag because you did a great job. And we all know that if there was nothing in this bag, or if there was no bag, and I just asked Michael to walk and to jump and to jog, what would it be? Easier. A lot, lot easier. Let's put this in spiritual terms for a second. This bag, this is a bag full of burdens, right? This is a bag full of all the rubbish. This is a bag full of all the difficult things and the rubbish decisions that we make and all the sins that we carry around. So you take your sin. I'm not even going to put it on my back because it really hurt me earlier. But you put that on your back and you try and walk around with that thing all the time. How are you going to walk? Probably not quite as well as Michael did. You're not going to walk very well. But you imagine that every day I just chuck another kilo in there. And it just gets heavier, and it gets heavier, and it gets heavier. But what Jesus does is Jesus comes along, and he doesn't just take a little bit out of that bag. He doesn't say 20 kilos is too much, let's take it down to five. Jesus says, give me the bag. And that's what Jesus does. If we come before Jesus, if we are free in Jesus, like Paul so wants us to be, Jesus comes and Jesus takes that bag off us so that we can walk, so that we can run, so that we can jump, so that we can do everything that God intended us to be able to do. But continually we need to come to Jesus. I don't know about you, but when you walk with baggage, when you walk with the things that you've done wrong, when you walk with the things that hurt you, it's really, really difficult. And it gets heavier, and it gets harder, and it weighs down upon you. But do you know what? We can give it to Jesus. We can give it all to Jesus, and he takes it away. Earlier, we looked at these slaves that had been freed. But the story of slavery in America isn't as clear-cut as that. It wasn't just one day, four million people freed, off they went, that was it. Because four million people were freed, slave owners couldn't keep slaves anymore, but there was a problem. The slaves had no money, the slaves had no land, none of them owned their own homes, they had very little food, and they probably only had the clothes that they were standing in. What kind of freedom's that? What kind of freedom is it to say, in the clothes you're standing in, go and be free? What are you going to go do, like Lord of the Rings, live in the jungle, or not jungle, but go and live in the forest or something? And this was the problem. That we saw generations of slaves that lived the same way, 
even after they'd been freed, because they didn't know anything else. Because they didn't have the ability to go. They didn't have the resources to go. And it took generations for these people to see true freedom. But freedom in Jesus isn't like that. Freedom in Jesus isn't like, Jesus comes into your life and all of it, and then, like, really, really slowly, in like 30 years' time, you feel free. You feel that your sin's been lifted. It's instant. When Jesus comes into your life, he takes all of this stuff away. And what Paul says to these guys, what Paul says to us, is don't go back. He says, you used to live with this baggage. You used to live under the law. You used to live with sin. Before you knew Jesus, you lived in sin. Before any of us knew Jesus, we lived in sin. But now we don't. And the temptation is always there to go back. But Paul says, bring it to Jesus and don't do it. In the next 14 verses that follow this, eh, Paul just explains to them, it explains to the church why they should reject these guys, why they should reject this false gospel. Because some of them are starting to wonder, maybe these guys have got a point. So we fast forward 14 verses, and Paul kind of answers the how. How do we look to Jesus and not to sin? When there's something that's wrong, that we know is wrong, but we really want to do, how do we turn our back on it? Because it's really, really hard. Paul gives us the answer in verse 16. Paul says to them, But I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is him saying, Walk with the Holy Spirit. Walk with the Holy Spirit, and you will be able to avoid temptation. How often do you sin? I don't imagine anybody's going to want to put their hand up and answer that for me. But it's fine, I'm not going to ask you to. But it's a really blunt question, and I don't know about you, but it's a really difficult question to answer. It's something that I don't want to answer. But how often do we do things that we know are wrong? Do you not sometimes just have this desire to do something even though you know you shouldn't? Are you sorry when you do things wrong? Because, you know, if we mess up and we come before God and we say, God, I'm sorry. And if we genuinely try and if we say, God, with your Holy Spirit, will you help me? Will you help me not to do this again? Then Jesus will forgive us. Or do we try and hide it from God? doesn't work it doesn't ever work trying to hide anything from God nobody's ever done it so don't think you're going to be the first because it doesn't ever work if we walk by the Holy Spirit we won't look back we won't look up the way down the way sideways but we'll always look to Jesus the Holy Spirit is with you And if you walk in the Holy Spirit, you can avoid 
and you can overcome sin. That doesn't mean any of us are ever going to be perfect. We're always going to give in. But with the Holy Spirit, we are able. We are able to start a journey. We are able to start a journey of seeing what Jesus wants and obeying what God wants. How do I know if I'm walking with the Holy Spirit? Do you love Jesus? Are you constantly asking for God's help? That's a really, really good place to start. Every day, every difficult situation, just saying, Jesus, God, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but please, please come and help me. The Holy Spirit, one of the three persons of our perfect God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us. And you know, there's some really sweet names in the Bible that describe the Holy Spirit. We're told that the Holy Spirit is comforter, is counselor, is uh, a guide, indwells in, Christ, uh, in believers, and is our intercessor. That means that when we don't know what to do, we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit acts on our behalf to Jesus. And also the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life, is the teacher and the witness. Now you tell me somebody that doesn't need the Holy Spirit in their life. I know I do. I know that in those difficult moments I need a comforter, that I need a guide, and I most definitely need a teacher. There's two opposites in this. There's the way of God, there's the way of the Holy Spirit, and there's the way of the flesh, the way of the things that I, that Jonathan wants, There is the good, there is the bad. If we cling to God, if we cling to the good, we can overcome the bad. Following that, Paul lists the bad stuff. And I'm just going to read it from the Message Bible. Just that list again, because I think it's a really interesting translation for this. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods. Magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfying wants. A brutal temper. An impotence to be loved or be loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided desires. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everybody into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. And ugly, warped ideas of what community is. I could go on, is how Paul ends that list. Maybe that's a bit more hard-hitting and maybe that's a bit more realistic in that translation. But I'm sure that there's something in there that each of us can relate to. And do you know what? If you struggle with any of this, there is a way out. When you sin, do you feel horrible? 
Do you know that you've done something wrong? Because if you do, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. That's the Holy Spirit telling you that was wrong. That's when we need to pray. That's when we need to pray, and that's when we need to ask for help. And you know, as someone, as me, that has struggled with more things on this than I would want to admit, there is a way out. And there is only one way out, and only one way this can get better. And it's everything that Paul's told us about, and it's about Jesus. And he says, you know what, you can't do this yourself. It doesn't matter how fast you run. It doesn't matter how hard you run. It doesn't matter how hard you hit it. It doesn't matter how hard you try and throw it. You cannot, you cannot do it yourself. Only God can overcome these things in us. So, firstly, Jesus sets us free. Secondly, living with, the, living with the Holy Spirit keeps us on our toes. It keeps us avoiding temptation. It helps us to process and escape sin, to reject sin and live for Jesus. But the final question is, what does it all matter what does it look like in my life? And thirdly, and finally, freedom leads to fruit. If we live by the Spirit, if we walk with the Holy Spirit, if we live obeying Jesus, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you don't normally come to this church, then you've really missed out on this brilliant kids song that we have about the fruit of the Spirit. I was going to ask you guys to play it, but I thought, thought you guys probably would rather not hear it. But it lists the fruit of the Spirit, and it's just a song that's full of joy and happiness at the fruit of the Spirit. It's actually really helped me speed up in the list. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Oh no. Gentleness and self-control. Thank you. Sorry, that was really bad. Okay. I almost. That's a list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the signs of a Christian. I don't know about you, but I can think of people that are really good, that are really strong in a lot of these areas. And you just kind of think, man, you're so peaceful. You're like, somebody could go do something really terrible and they'd still be at peace. Or somebody would do something horrible to them and they would still love that person. There's some things that make me really angry. And you ever see somebody in that same situation and they don't get angry? You're just like, how? How can you not just be enraged? If we love Jesus, then as we walk with Jesus, these things should increase in our lives. These things should be more evident in our lives. You see, Paul started off saying to them here, forget all the nonsense, it's all about Jesus. Forget about what they taught. And then he encourages the church and he challenges the church. 
And that's where we leave it. We leave it in the challenge. The challenge of, are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit? If we're Christians, we copy Jesus. We die to ourselves. Our old selves are gone. The old Jonathan, before I became a Christian, is gone. And now I am a new creation. I am Jonathan in Jesus. Because Christ not only died for me, but I died with Christ. That doesn't mean I get to hold on to the little bits that I like. Before I was a Christian, it means that it's all gone. When we accept Jesus, we die to ourselves. The sinful stuff, the desires that we have are gone. And do you know what, guys? Being a Christian isn't easy. I get that. That you guys have it harder. You have it harder than even when I was at school, and that really wasn't very long ago at all. And when our friends know we're Christian, when our friends know we're a Christian, that can be really difficult. And I think it can be really easy to think, whether you're at school, at college, in the workplace, that after a difficult day, maybe somebody's been slating you. Maybe somebody's been questioning the fact you're a Christian, or maybe the same person keeps going on and on and on. And you just think, do you know what? Is it all worth it? Is all this stuff, is all this Jesus stuff worth it? Paul says, yes, it is. Walk with Jesus because freedom the only true freedom as much as it would be great to be William Wallace and ride the horse and shout freedom it's not true freedom because true freedom only comes in Jesus so to quote the man himself that's William Wallace not Jesus he says what will you do with your freedom that's my question for you we're free in Jesus What will you do with your freedom? Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that 2,000 years ago, as there was problems in the church, as there was things going on, Lord, that Paul stood strong and Paul declared the gospel of Jesus. I thank you that he declared that only Jesus can save That freedom from burdens, freedom from sin is only possible in Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that because of that, we are able to walk with you. That we are able to walk in your spirit. That we don't have to do this alone. But Lord, that every day you want us to come to you. You want us to come before you. You want us to ask your forgiveness. And Lord, you want us to grow in you. Lord, we thank you that our freedom is found in Jesus. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.